You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Well, welcome back to the Batuta Advocate Radio Show, recording live here from the Diamond Tina Shire. You're joined by myself, Clancy Overall, editor of the Batuta Advocate, and our editor at large, Errol Parker. How are you, Errol? Good, mate. Always good up here in Queensland, mate. No COVID up here, mate. As we all know, the virus hates the heat. Hates the heat. Hates being west of Broken Hill, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, it's no longer the novel coronavirus. I guess we're all very familiar with it now and we're very over it. But that said, we are lucky here in Queensland because uh, the state favoured by God is free of the shit. And uh, today's guest is also in a similar situation. He's down there in the free state. Thank you for joining us, Gleeso. Gleeso, it's great to have you here. Oh, thank you very much. It's great to be had. I'm uh, I'm stoked to be uh, joining you guys. Yeah, I'm beautiful South Australia. Beautiful one day murders the next. Yeah. They say down here. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. You, you've moved. You've made the move. I mean. Dave Gleeson and the Screaming Jets are synonymous with Newcastle, but nowadays you are, you know, everyone is well aware that you're based down in Adelaide, which I was going to say basically is Newcastle with murders, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's a top spot. I, uh, I never would have thought that I'd live down here. I, From the time that the Jets took off, <laughs> we kind of uh, lived in, in suitcases and stuff for about three or four years after that and lived between Sydney and Newcastle, which was... Good because I loved catching the train from Sydney yeah. to Newey. It's a beautiful it was, train. Uh, two and a half hours. You could sit there, take a couple of longies on there back in the day, yeah. and uh, jump out for a smoke at Gosford magazine, and, <laughs> and then you could yeah, like that's right. <laughs> have a piss in between the carriages. You know, it was good <laughs> back yeah, in the day. Right. So yeah, uh, and then moving down to Adelaide, that came about because my wife uh, is from down here. Yeah, right. And uh, we had a kid, and we were living in Sydney, and the jets were off the road, and so it was a, a perfect storm. And uh, I found myself living down here. Can you just tell us a little bit about? I mean, uh, you mentioned there those long train rides to and from Sydney from Newey. Where where were you? I mean. As, as well as being synonymous, actually, your band and, and you know, your imagery and, and yourselves with your long hair was synonymous with Newcastle, so was the sound. And, you know, almost everyone who'd listened to one of your songs come on, that they'd kind of think about the glory days of the Steel City. Where did the sound come from? What were your influences? Because you obviously influenced a lot of bands that came after you who can point to you, but it's kind of hard to point before you. Yeah, well, growing up in Newcastle, it was a massive cover scene. Yep. And... You had to be, you still had to be good, but it wasn't yeah. like you could just get up there and muck around. And so, we we spent three years just playing as many nights a week as we could. Sometimes up to six, seven nights a week, playing three sets a night, rehearsing two two times a week. You know, it's like a, it was just a really great breeding ground for. Um, for learning your craft, and of course they'd let you know if you were shit, they'd throw a can at you or yeah. um, a glass or something like that. So you had to be on your toes. A mate of mine saw In Excess, and um, it was very early on. They played for a dollar at a club in Newcastle, and he said he, uh, no one could hit him, hit Michael Hutchins with cans because he moved around the stage <laughs> quite a lot because uh, the crowd weren't that into him. And that gave me a bit of a heads up. I was like, I'm going to move around a lot. <laughs> so like a lot of bands uh, from your part of the world up there in Newcastle, it was a bit of a rite of passage to uh, once you conquered 
the steel city it was time to take on Sydney. How long did you talk about moving to Sydney before you actually moved to Sydney? Well, yeah, it was. Um, we, we kind of, that's exactly right. We started off in Newey and we thought, oh, we got something here and we started going out to the Hunter Valley and um, <laughs> we did a tour, we did an ill-fated tour prior to the Jets up to Coffs Harbour where I ended up in jail when we were supposed to be playing the Howie Mowie. Oh, uh, that's, a, that's a great pub. <laughs> The, um, the, this is I'll quickly tell you that's yeah, an tell aside um, but we got up to the Howie Mo- we got up to the Howie Mowie and we we walk in there and the guy goes oh there's there's actually strippers on tonight and we're like oh but we've been double booked so anyway they said don't worry about it we'll pay you 200 bucks you can stay here in here for free and watch the strippers so <laughs> that went well until I I ended up in jail. So <laughs> yeah. that was a, yada, yada, yada. You I must, was in a police cell. You must have been playing up. Yeah, yeah, rum. To, to, get, to get locked up. Oh, rum, rum. Back in the to day get then, locked yeah. up in the Howie Mowie Hotel, you must have been playing up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many great memories. Uh, flashbacks. Um, but, yeah, we moved, We started going down to Sydney. Um, uh, there was a battle of the bands going on, and we played uh, uh, our first kind of major gigs in Sydney were all at Selena's and like it was, there was bands from all over Sydney competing in the, in the, you know, whatever they have, the, what are they called? The heats, the heats. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, and then it became, then at the end there was a national. So everyone came from around Australia and we won, we won that battle of the bands, but we were taking busloads of Newcastle people down to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to Salinas and it was not pretty. <laughs> yeah, that, that's been a recurring yarn you hear about in, in the history of your band is that, you know, the uh, the hostility between the Newey fans who, you know, as you said, only a two-hour train ride and they can come to any gig in, in the most populated city in Australia. That's right. And they obviously brought the riffraff. Can you tell us a little bit about some of those little hoedowns, some of those little showdowns, sorry? Yeah, well, um, the, well, the final, the 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 what the final that we won. There's a, a great lady by the name of Lisa Edwards, I think. I'm pretty sure it's her name. Um, and she's a singer that has been for around the traps for years. So while the judging was going on, after all the bands had played, she came on to do a set, <laughs> and all the new newy crowd are going, "Fuck off, Jack, yeah. fuck <laughs> off!" And in the end, she had to. She had to just call it off. She said, well, stop you then. Go back to Newcastle or something. Anyway, so we ended up winning the, the, <laughs> the show. And none other than Baja Bonkowski. I don't know if you remember Baja. She was like a, a 70s ABC yeah. uh, um, uh, like countdown type chick. Yeah. But she was very, very staid. And my mate Scotty, she just grabbed her. He looked at her, he gave her a big hug. He said, you're bon- Baja Bonkowski. I fucking love you. <laughs> <laughs> she was just like, wow, what is going on with these boys from Newcastle? Uh, yeah, no, it's a... Uh it's everyone loves a night out in Newcastle, and I'm sure. Yeah, well, it, it was the first place where they thought they trialed the lockout laws because they had kind of like a localized epidemic there, where there was a lot of you know alcohol fueled violence, but there wasn't so much like people weren't using like a weapon, like people weren't being stabbed, you know, that they were essentially just being punched <laughs> and being punched, <laughs> and <laughs> but um. So, what was the scene like there? You know, like we're talking in the, like in the eighties. Like, what made Newcastle especially rough? 
Yeah, well, there was quite a bit of fighting that went on at gigs. Well, because it was a steel town, see? There was, like, yeah. you know, the BHP was there. There was all kind of heavy industry and stuff like that. Yeah. And boats, yeah. had, uh, ships were coming in all the time, so there'd be... You know, sometimes you'd get um, the the Navy boys, the, the American yeah, Navy yeah. boys, yeah. it'd be on. Yeah, yeah for sure. They're bad news. Because all the Newey girls, all the Newey girls <laughs> yeah. wanted to jump them. Yeah, yeah. And all the boys are like, what's going on yeah. with you blokes, yeah, you yeah. yanks? So it was yeah. like straight back to World War Two. you know. It's like the first time the girls have doled up on a night out <laughs> because they're not doing it for you boys. <laughs> yeah, bad luck, fellas. Um, so were you, a, were you a product of that? Were you a product? What, what was your family in? Yeah, yeah. Well, my we lived out in Cardiff, which is um, had a has a great workers' club, a Cardiff Workers' Club, and uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the big bands came through there. But that was like a just a working class town. Yep. Uh, my old man was a drug salesman. <laughs> well, I was he, wondering where you're going with that one. What's yeah. so, he, he worked a pharmaceutical in a chemist? rep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as a pharmaceutical rep. But oh, I loved it because because I, I grew up in Cardiff, and then yeah. instead of going to Cardiff High, which was a one-minute walk from my house. I had to get a 55-minute bus ride in to go to Morris Brothers in yeah, town. Yeah, 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 right. Which yeah. is all – so there'd be all kids. What's your father do? Oh, he's a lawyer. He's a doctor. And I'd just say, oh, he sells drugs, brother. <laughs> and, Case know, closed. And then, they'd, and then they'd go, what? And I'd go, oh, no, he works for Astra Pharmaceuticals, you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I, I just grew up loving footy. Um, me, me two older brothers were uh, both me, most outstanding sub-junior at, yeah. uh, at Cardiff Cougars Rugby League Club. So that was kind of uh, – that that took up my life. And, yeah, Cardiff was uh, – you know, you rode your BMX bikes, tucked your uh, ciggies up in your, in your T-shirt sleeve. I had one bloke that, that was a mate of mine. He had surfy tattooed on one side of him, and 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 Westy on the other. <laughs> so when he was at the, when when he was at the swimming pool, he'd have his cigars in his um in his right shoulder, which had Westy showing. When he was at the beach, he'd have them up on on, on his left and have surfy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hedging his bets. He <laughs> <laughs> was covered, old Casper, <laughs> covered in spiders. I think. <laughs> So you kind of find yourself in a position like almost before this kind of working class sound of rock music came through where you kind of were making music that was speaking to the workers' clubs and all, and all these kind of towns similar to Newey, and I'm sure a lot of Sydney as well, you know, in that era. How have you found that? Do you still do you see that nowadays where there's bands that come out now with, out of towns like this that are making kind of music that can be enjoyed and uh, picked up by, you know, blokes who work in steelworks or blokes who work on the wharfs or, or construction or that kind of stuff? Yeah, well, oh, look, every, there's been a paradigm shift, hasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. You've seen some of the blokes who work in construction, you know, <laughs> sold up they are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Put it on in the Raptor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then, what about the hot um, stop-and-go chicks now? Yeah. They're rocking. Yeah. Um, no, but they're all yeah. Irish, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. All backpackers. Stop your car here, <laughs> sir. They're probably making they're probably making a bit more money than a drug salesman did in Cardiff in the eighties. <laughs> Absolutely, but yeah, look, I, I mean, it used to be like such a rite of passage for suburban uh, Australians. It was that um, you know you'd find your local bands and you'd follow them with a passion, and I think that a lot of that's gone by the wayside now. And I think that comes from you know I hate to bang on up about something that's been out of the gate for thirty years or whatever, but the pokies, yeah. Absolutely, just destroyed that kind of yep. that building period for bands where they were, you know, well, we were playing to two hundred people uh, by you know probably a year into our into our um, 
you know, first band and then by, you know, halfway through the next year you're playing to 500 people and you're doing, you know, residencies and stuff like that. So it kind of, you you got to build it organically. Now everyone just goes fucking straight on the net and says, oh, look at me, I'm amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but so it's kind of killed that whole, that whole pub kind of rock band ethos. But, you know, having said that, there's a, a band called Massive that we've uh, done a bit of touring with, and they're unreal. Yep. They head overseas more than anything, just because it's kind of the market for uh, for pub rocks a bit much smaller now. But um, you know, in Europe and and the UK especially, it's still thriving over there. Now you you uh, you kind of you know you're known for you've released a lot of music. And just about anyone who likes your stuff is across all your stuff. But there was a little bit of a, I guess you could say, political kind of tinge to some of the stuff you'd, you'd sing about. And, and the, what's the FRC, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, fat rich cunts that um, <laughs> brought down a government. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And poor Joe. I mean, he was only just. Oh, no, he was Looking only... back. I think he's, he's actually quite a grandfatherly type person, yeah. <laughs> along with all his fascism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. pioneer. Um, <laughs> it was good for Queensland. <laughs> but, um, good for the Goldie. You'd sing oh, yeah. that. You'd sing that in in Queensland. You'd sing those songs about their about yeah. their kind of. State government, you weren't strictly punk rock either. You know they had those real lunatics in, in that were based in Brisbane that had you know their phones tapped and that kind of stuff. And the, they were yeah, making yeah. they were making music strictly. Every single song was to do what you managed to do in one song at one show. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, right, right. Yeah. What was uh, I mean? Obviously, punk that that kind of sound coming out of Brisbane at the time was was for the very politically charged. It actually, doesn't actually doesn't make a whole room dance, you know what I mean? Mm, no, no, that's right. Yeah, well, that, and that, well, that was the kind of – I used to um, – oh, I'm so glad there was no social media or everyone <laughs> oh, standing there I with was, phones back in the day. I was just about to I, ask you. I would have been cancelled gig one, right? Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I, but, you know, I – I, I always blame it on this guy, um, Peter Teague, his name was. He was the lead singer of a band called Big Band Boom, right, in yep. Newcastle, cover band. You know, backing singers, yeah. brass, all this stuff. And they'd do every, the hits of the day. They'd do like, Huey Lewis in the News and and you know, just all of you know, the big hits of yeah. the time. Filthiest mouth I've ever heard on any man in my life. He used to say, So who's getting fucked tonight? Yeah. Are you getting fucked? He'd say the chicks in the crowd, are you gonna fuck? And I just thought, how's this guy? Um, and so I took I took a little bit of that with me. Um, and but so I had to temper it after a while because yeah. people don't want to get yelled at and ranted at yeah, by yeah, some yeah. And, Drunk yeah. guy who's about to go out backstage and do all kinds of stuff yeah. that he could be ranted about. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, you're not Bono. Not here to temper that. Not here to not here to end world poverty. You're on. You know, you're yeah, on, exactly. You're yeah. Shot. <laughs> I mean, ang- ang- angry. God bless him. He can get a bit uh, a bit preachy, and I kind of uh, <laughs> you know all the, all the brothers and sisters stuff and that. But, yeah. Um, but he did say a great thing one night while while he was banging on about something. Some bloke said, play a fucking Rose Tattoo song. He said, mate, you paid to get in here tonight not to tell me what to fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> so, but in saying that, though, like, do you kind of feel sorry for uh, for young musicians, especially young rockers who are coming up now, who, you know, who they live in this world now where you've got, you know, everyone's got it like a video camera, every, you know, mm. like anything that you do now is instantly recordable. 
Do you think yeah. like, you can kind of hear that coming through in, in the music these days? Oh, absolutely. I mean, everyone's much more guarded. That's why we're getting. That's why we're getting advanced joy. Um, Pete Murray Mark II, and uh, you know, um, yeah. Ed Sheeran's the biggest songwriter yeah. in the world. Yeah. You know, and he's and he's considered um, quite edgy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's the one. Forget your uh, forget Ozzy Osbourne snorting lines and shit on people's floors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so I um, look at it. It's, it's all changing, and that that was a big thing of, of of rock music, and kind of that was another thing that happened to me along the way. Was uh, I was more more David Lee Roth, Axl Rose, uh, front manny kind of guy, and then of course old Kurt came along and blew that all out of the water, yeah. and everyone had to go, oh, I fucking hate this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we we were lucky to survive those couple of a couple of years when grunge first took over because uh, we were. Yeah. Seen as you know, kind of just cock rockers, yeah. especially in to- Buddy Newey too. Like you had Buddy, you know. Well, that that, oh, that the chair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Newcastle was Australia's Seattle, right? <laughs> Nirvana's in pajamas. Yeah. Great- <laughs> <laughs> Nirvana's in pajamas. I have never heard that one. That's <laughs> God bless them. That. But look, I mean, we gave them. Uh, I can still remember we played uh, a gig while I was still the innocent criminals and. Uh, they went on as the pre-support support, yeah. and their parents come and they and and they talk to their manager. Can we talk to the boys about you know what's going on? You know some advice. So we're sitting in there, we're off shops, just, <laughs> just sitting there, and I can, and we're telling store, telling the boys, oh, you should do this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and their parents are just looking like, what are we doing in here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they took none of our advice and were hugely successful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a, there was a time we were actually talking about this as a young comedian that uh, we've kind of uh, worked with over the years who um, does a podcast uh, called Cameron James, and he's, a, he's right. a Newcastle boy. And we were actually talking about um, you coming on the podcast, and he said one of his fondest childhood memories was the day after the night's grand final. Uh, and I'm sure that you know, there's a whole generation that will say the same thing when the yeah. screaming jets were playing and the bus was coming down the main street of Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, was there in the 90s? Was there in the late 80s? Was there that feeling in Newcastle that we are the center of the universe? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, we were, we came to we came when we first started going down to Sydney, and people say, "Where are you from?" We'd say, "Newcastle." It all be I'll take a little step back. Oh, Newcastle, eh? Yeah. So we were kind of. You know, just proud of the fact we're from Newry, and and you know it was kind of a a, a bit of a talking point. But um, yeah, I, I think we always, especially like by the time they won the grand final. I mean, the fact that they'd got in, that we'd got a team in the uh, in the national competition, that was a huge buzz from you know 1988 at the late eighties, and then uh, yeah, and then to see him grow, and then to have Joey come along, and and you know that team that was a. A team of superstars, plenty of Australian uh, representatives and stuff in it. So yeah, Newcastle had a, a very good sense of pride there, and um, and then they took the steel industry away, and it kind of uh, it died in the ass a little bit. But um, I think people are realising it's one of the got some of the greatest beaches on earth. So yeah. um, you know, plenty of tourism going on. Yeah, I mean, as uh, people forget that if you're talking inner city beaches, people always think Bondi. 
but mm. um, but Newcastle has in, has inner city beaches. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think I think that'll be their next big fight, mate. You know, there was a steel boom. Now there'll be a property boom. You're the new Byron Bay up there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, well, I mean, it's a, it is a top fight, and it probably suffers a bit from its uh, its former reputation. But um, yeah. you know, you, you don't want to live in fucking Gosford, do you? No. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Gosford. That Gosford. was your smoke break on the train ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time speaking of FRC as we recently were. We went to the Central Coast League Club, the one they've got there in Gosford. So mm-hmm. I think they've done a big, big revamp on it. Anyway, I was um, a guest DJ for the night because uh, <laughs> the, the album had just come out, and I was just getting up there and playing some songs and talking to the crowd between songs and that. And I said, and you know, to the towards the end of the night, I said, play FRC, and it was on. This is it was actually on a vinyl album. Yeah. And so he's up there. He goes, "No, I can't." I go, "Mate, I'll tell you when to mute it." And you just when we get to that part, you mute it, and the crowd will sing it. He goes, "Oh, all right." Anyway, we get to the part. He goes, "You're fat, you're fat," and I go like this, and he and he mutes rich, and then turns it back up for cunts. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and, then, and then he go, I go, "No, no, we'll do it again. Do it get just be on it this time." He goes, "You're fat, you're fat, you're." Rich can't so I go, okay, by this time the manager's coming over going, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, we we're doing our kind of research in, into you guys, your touring, and, you know, that song in particular, and, and you know, there was there was a lot of other red-hot kind of uh, ballads you'd, you'd throw out, fan favourites. Did you find that kind of abrasiveness? The fans love it. It's, a, you know, it's, 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 mm, there's mm. an element of anti-establishment to it. But did that rub people the wrong way? You know, did it rub the fat rich cunts the wrong way that could have actually had you crushed? Yeah, well, it could have. It probably chicks don't, <laughs> chicks don't like it. <laughs> well, they didn't kind of like, and some of the stuff I was saying, once again, fairly misogynistic. Yeah. So I think we turned quite a, a lot of the chicks off in yeah. uh, in the crowd. But the strangeness of the whole situation, I had to fight tooth and nail to keep that song on the album. Yeah. And that was not because it's a great song, just because I was like, well, if you want to take it off, I want to keep it on. Yeah. Um, so in the, end, in the end, they're like, well, it's going to kill the album and, you know, but, you know, we'll do it anyway. So anyway, so we put it out. And after all that time, when we went over to the States, the first thing they released was Fat Rich Cunts, right? <laughs> now, anyone who knows anything about the States, it's just a word, it's a, it's a word non grata. It's just... Uh, yeah, it's just a really good way to kill so, a conversation. So I would, I'd be up there trying to explain it to them. I'd go, now, nah, listen, listen, we're from Australia. You know, they woo, woo. i go... Yeah, listen, we've got a funny terminology in Australia. <laughs> yeah, and, just... and, and so I try and tell them, I say, if your mate's funny, he's a funny cunt. Yeah, Each yeah. one was like a dagger through their heart. It was like a, <laughs> not one time did any of them go, oh, I yeah. get it. We, we get no. the context here. Yeah. Well, so anyway, that was probably something that didn't work well for us in the States. It went, it was it was pretty well received in the UK. Yeah. Of course, yep. you know. Yeah. All yeah. the Essentially the same people, you know. (laughs) Especially in Adelaide, too. They're about as close as you can get to a pom as a pom, really, aren't they? They are. They're very close to poms down here. (laughs) And then they pick pick me up on all me, the way I speak. I've been here 15 years. Pool, they call it pool. I call it pool. Pool, yeah. First time time I came here, someone said, do you want a game of pool? I was like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking what you're thinking. And then they say school, and they say girls, yeah. and and even but, uh, even the most kind of the roughest, 
you know, South Australians yeah. say that. I remember hearing an interview with the Hilltop Hoods and I remember them talking about, uh, what was it? They were talking about being overseas and they forget, they say you're performing on stage overseas and you forget what country you're in until you hear them chant at you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, chanting. Chant? Yeah. <laughs> chanting. Well, that's I cop it from me, mates. I'll give it, I'll ring up and I'll get it, I'll leave a message. Yeah, give us a call when you get a chance. Hits, hits. Oh, no. It's already slipped out. <laughs> so, do you reckon, I mean, you were talking before about uh, meeting the, the, Nirvana's in pajamas, and uh, and how you were kind of living pretty hard at that time, trying to impart some wisdom on them. Was there was there a moment on touring where you guys were like, we are now kind of kind of running off, uh, you know, this the smell of an oily rag covered in tequila. Where where, where did you kind of tap out of petrol? At what point in the touring? Uh, I reckon. Uh, so we started in 1989. Um, we had about three weeks off when our guitarist got married in 1992. Fuck. And I reckon up until about 1999, we just hit it, fucking <laughs> hammer and tong. And then, uh, and then we kind of had to. Well, we we uh, there was some internal conflict, and then we had to take the band off the road. I reckon that was uh, 2001. The yeah, I reckon June 2001 we finished up, and we took then we took like a hiatus, and everyone came back. Everyone came back changed after that, except Paul, yeah, bass player. <laughs> <laughs> he is a road warrior. <laughs> he was keeping the dream alive. <laughs> oh, for everyone. <laughs> I'll do your pity, says for me. I say thanks very much. <laughs> so what was some of the other bands you were kind of um, pinballing around with, you know, throughout the start and, and uh, kind of, uh, you know, the midst and the height of your career? Yeah, oh, we um, oh, we started off pretty well about the same time as the Baby Animals. We yeah. bought our album out about oh, seven or eight months before they bought out their album out and eclipsed ours. They had an absolutely ball tear and first album. Yeah, and we spent heaps of time with them. We we toured with those guys. Uh, oh, did a couple of national tours with them. Uh, we did a bunch of touring with the Divinals and got to be you know good friends as good friends as you can get with. Um, some crazy people. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, one night, speaking of the Divinals, we were, um, we were backstage after this big, long tour that we'd done, and I found myself talking to Chrissy, and I'd never really had a long chat with her. So we had, we're had we sitting there drinking, talking. It's a room's got about 20 people in it, and it probably should have about big enough for about 10. <laughs> anyway, um, after about the third time, I'm coming just about – Two steps away from I've got two more drinks for us, and she yells to her bodyguard, Mick, Mick, take me back to my room. No one's rooting me tonight. <laughs> Everyone's looking at me. I've got two drinks. <laughs> I'm just like, what? <laughs> well, I haven't even got to that bit yet. <laughs> but, yeah, we played with them. Choir boys were very kind to us. They gave us a, a lot of big raps early on. Um, but we're kind of we're, and, and and the Angels uh, obviously they took us on yeah. our first ever national tour. Yeah. But um, we were we kind of came in at the end of that. So they'd been banned from the you know mid seventies, early eighties up until we started in eighty nine. So a lot of people think we're of the same vintage. But yeah. um, we were just we we're just lucky enough to kind of catch on to their fans. Yeah. Um, those, those, you know, those people who love pub rock, guitars, drum solos, lead breaks, etc. So, uh, very lucky to catch that the end of that. Can you tell us a little bit about 
Triple J and the role that kind of played because it would have Triple J would have been kind of nationalized in your time. Yeah, you know, it it, it originally was Double J and it was like a little secret for the kind of um, yeah. greater New South Wales mm. kind of metropolitan area, and then all of a sudden it's you're in every town. Did you did you benefit from that? Oh, absolutely. We had uh, when when the first three albums came out, they were all album of the week. Mm. On Triple J, and the third the the third of those albums was um, well, affectionately known as the Gorilla album, the Screaming Jets um, self titled album, yeah. and we did the first ever live stream, I guess, or podcast of a live live um, streaming of a of a gig, right? Yeah. And so, so that was nineteen ninety five. So it started with me going, "Hey, everyone." Buffer, yeah. buffer, 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 yeah, buffer, yeah. and so it kind of went that all the way through. It kind of, it was you know it didn't didn't work out well, but we were the first band ever to do that. They loved us, Triple J, and then uh, by the fourth album, I started doing some filling shifts at Triple M. Right, and, yeah. Uh, and our manager said, "Well, what about we we give Triple M first first dibs on this single, the first single from uh, the fourth album, and kind of sold that idea to us, and that was the last thing that was the last time Triple <laughs> yeah. J ever fucking played us. Yeah, because I was uh, about to ask you, like, um, like, <laughs> well, like, how does a band make a transition from Triple J to Triple M? Mm. I mean, it's, well, see, we were lucky. We were lucky. We kind of didn't have to make the transition cause yeah, tri- yeah. because it had kind of. We didn't have to do that, and it was uh, it was one of those things that fell extremely flat and kind of cost us, you know. As, as you say, they were they were, na- they were a national broadcaster, they uh, they were credible and uh, all that stuff, and, yeah. and young people listened to it. So we kind of shot ourselves in the foot with that one, but that's the way it goes. There's many a slip twixt the cup and the lip. <laughs> I, I think you got your share of uh, radio play on Triple M, mate. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, right. no, I was just, I was just. <laughs> In the lead up to this interview, mate, I was I was doing some reading. Apparently, on Triple M in Sydney, they've played the song "Better." They've played that five thousand times since it was released twenty six years ago. So, what's that? That's three hundred and sixty five times twenty six. What's that? Like nine thousand six hundred and something times divide the so it's essentially they're playing that song once every two days for 26 years yeah, <laughs> yeah i know it's unreal uh, mate that <laughs> that bloody hugely lucky that apra check it, it must be as thick as a phone book oh you'll have to Air- ask, you'll have to ask Greg Wolvesy about that he wrote the thing um what is he driving a porsche ground is that <laughs> <laughs> living on it living next door to daniel johns in newcastle oh, um <laughs> But uh, yeah, that was um, that, that's been very lucky for us. And uh, I mean, um, I think at one stage Triple M Sydney said it's the most played Australian song yeah. on tri- Triple M over the thirty years. And I said, well, that's because we didn't have many hits. So <laughs> <laughs> poor old ACDC have to spread it across twenty five hits. Yeah, poor yeah. yeah. Well, no, those poor bastards in ACDC. <laughs> I was just reading. The, the other day that Angus Young, he isn't even Australian. I yeah. mean, he's been applying for 40 years and they've said you haven't spent that long in the country. Yeah, no. No, you, and we don't want you filthy Luca. <laughs> that might help your stats too. He's technically not an Australian band. <laughs> yeah, I could sponsor him. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw a, um, a benefit so when Malcolm died a couple yeah, there's a bloke who gets around and does uh, ACDC shows and he it, the, the 
the headline, the, like, you know, the poster said, a benefit for Malcolm Young. I'm like, yeah, the poor bugger. He's probably down to his last $400 million <laughs> and he's dead. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think they were benefit, benefiting from Malcolm Young rather than for him. Yeah. yeah. So you, you then make this transition into radio announcing. I mean, you did a few years there? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was uh, with Triple M. Um, Don Foster was his name. He was a funny bloke. It was running Triple M at the time. And Guy Dobson, um, um, you know, they just you know, started getting me to do um, the Australian Made show, every homemade, every Sunday night. And then, um, yeah, I just started doing a bunch of different stuff with him, you know, filling in. I got to interview... Um, Oh, my best one at Triple M Sydney was Rayman Zarek. I got to interview him and yeah. and asked him a question about the doors. And he said, Dave, that's one of the best questions I've ever been asked about the doors. And oh, I was like, right. oh, yeah. oh, God bless you. Um, but, yeah, it's just something that's kind of – I'd love it. I only love it when I'm talking about rock. That's yep. the thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I've, I've filled in – for breakfast and that, and you think I want to talk to the mayor about why there's no fucking parking at the hospital? I don't. <laughs> what about these bail conditions for young offenders? <laughs> hey, if you want anything to happen at the fucking council, you, you've just got to pay. I mean, here's here's my BSB. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the greatest council money can buy. It is. Well, they sacked him for a brown paper bag in Newcastle a couple of years back. But. <laughs> I, um, I, I, I met the Lord Mayor of Newcastle uh, a couple of years ago at Bathurst. We were, we, myself and Paul Wazine were there doing uh, the national anthem. Yeah. And um, she's not a bad sort. I, I think I kind of give her the old, um, hey, uh, not 50-something. 50, 50 she's in her 30s. She's probably thinking, fuck off, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that was at the V8s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you, you missed – did you miss those – like, I guess the uh, – there was always gigs going. That, that That's what you kind of – you know, there were gigs on Bondi Beach back in your, you know, in, mm. in your heyday. There were there were all kinds of places. But then there, there was this kind of in the late 90s, this ramped up kind of home bake, big day out. Did you get a taste of all that? Um, we played on the first big day out after heaps of like uh, crawling in on his knees, our manager and stuff. And um, Lees and West thought we were too mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> in the end, out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the end, he goes, they, they uh, acquiesced as long as we didn't call ourselves the Screaming Jets. They just put us on the post as TSJ, <laughs> um, uh. which was fine by us. We played to 10,000 people. It was nuts. We went on after Carter Unstoppable Sex Machine, whatever that is. I, <laughs> I didn't even look at that. I just thought. Uh, but it wasn't until years later, and stuff goes by in a blur, and once again, not everyone had recording devices back there. But years later, when I first moved down here to Norton Summit in uh, in the Adelaide Hills, um, there's a little pub. That's all there is in town. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I moved here. It's like, <laughs> the perfect town. But uh, a bloke goes, oh, I was at that big day out. And I said, oh, where? I'm in. I'm glad to finally meet someone who was there. And he goes, I've got a photo of you, actually. Anyway, he brings it to the pub the next week, and it's me with me pants down. <laughs> and he, 
me willy tucked back between me legs. I used to do the Madonna. Like, yeah. the, the, like, hair, I'd do me hairy armpits and me hairy hair yeah. bush and that. Oh, that's and that's goes, crowd work, man. Like, oh, fantastic. Good on you. Thanks for that. That's a photo you got of me. Thanks, mate. I'll, I'll, see you here. I'll see you here every Sunday for the rest of my life. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the things you do once again. (laughs) Uh, So now you're going to do a big tour, obviously, uh, to celebrate this new release. Mm. Uh, But obviously that's been bumped um, (laughs) thanks to this this, uh, lovely uh, historic event we found ourselves in the middle of. It's a worse than average flu, they say. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, look. We needed something to take the gloss off uh, September 11th, yeah. so why not something new? <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's 30 years for you guys, and and and, you've, and you you know you're releasing the anniversary reissue of All for One, um, yeah. and you were going to tour that. What what were you thinking? Like, obviously, this has been in talks for a few years, so probably you were probably talking about this before the pandemic. But what did you have planned for the tour, which has since been postponed? Yeah, well, I mean, I've, uh, I've been um, over the last four or five years. The Angels have re-released their fortieth edition versions of al- their classic albums. So they've um, we re-recorded it with with the, with um, myself and John and Rick Brewster and the, and the, and Sam and Nick, the uh, current lineup. And then we went into the to the Bridge Hotel in Sydney and yeah. recorded it live. So I made it a double album. And it went really well for the fans, you know. They just kind of have it as a historic document. But the fun part about it is doing the the, the album start to finish, which um, we've never done before. There's there's songs we've probably never played live off the album since we bought it out. So we're very looking forward to just getting out there and and you know playing it like like people heard it all those years ago. Um, and then we were just gonna you know play all the all the other stuff. All the other songs that people won't let you out of the building if you don't get to play them. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I mean, the worst part's been that they keep, you know, pushing it back. They keep. I did 31 streams in a row on a Sunday last year, um, and mid October I said I'll knock it on the head because we're about to go on the on tour in January, not January, February. Oh, not February, April. Yeah. And then they just kept pushing it back and pushing it back, and you know, I've I've been working at a mate's vineyard. Yeah. Trying to get some money to buy beer, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know we we were planning on getting out there, and we, you, you've got to do a two hour show. That's yeah. if you've been around for thirty years, you've got to at least be able to do two hours. So yeah, um, yeah just uh, kind of twiddling thumbs <laughs> now, but uh, but you know it'll mean that we explode on stage yeah. uh, when we uh, yeah when we get back there. When you finally get there. I mean, I think yeah, there's a lot of people that were kind of. Just ready. To, I mean, look at some of the bands that we kind of and the young fellas now too. It was their moment, you know. It was their, that was going to be their year, and then that year just yep. got kind of crushed. So I wonder if it will be the same when we come back. Everything that was meant to happen does happen. I hopefully, I mean, it certainly will for you guys. Who, who are you thinking to open for you? Um, well, we've got a few mates in bands around the country, mm-hmm. so um, I thought it might be a good uh, a good little thing to um, to get them in. Um, you know, give them a bit of a go and free. Yeah. Just say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can have some, you can have some beer. Yeah. Piss off. Here's a T-shirt. <laughs> you got to give Low Life a run. That, that's that's Low a, Life. Yeah, they're coming out of Sydney now. They are red hot. Yeah, right. Cool, yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lock them up. Free best free gig. Now, 
Are you going to be doing a bit of a media run? Obviously, we were very lucky to get you uh, first, uh, um, you know, with the embargo and everything like that. We, we, yeah, we were the yeah. first on the junket here on the Batuta Rock uh, advocate. On. But um, I'm guessing there'll be, a, there'll be a bit of a push for this album because obviously the album's the, the re-release isn't going to time with the um, with the tour anymore. No, no, uh, Nicole, our, our PR chick, she's putting together a uh, a, a bit of a, uh, a a run now for publicity and stuff. And yeah, it's it's funny because you know up until eighteen months ago, it's all I did. I just had between the Angels and the Jets, I was there was always something coming up, and mm-hmm. you know. And now I'm sitting here thinking, oh, I can't wait to see me press schedule. Be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what do we got on today? All right. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I used to sit there going, oh, fuck, another 10 interviews, man. <laughs> uh, I hate talking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> ABC Mildura. Ah, oh, Christ, I'm <laughs> <laughs> You know. And then, but the thing so is, over all the years, over all the years, you end up talking to people and you go, oh, fuck, I remember you from, you know. Yeah, from the last press run, years yeah. ago, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You were the one that had the hiccups in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> well, Garth Brooks has got a dude. Like a PA, and he's like, um, he writes people's names down and stuff. And so my mate in Newcastle, he was a, he got to meet Garth Brooks and interview him. And then two years later, he got there and he's interviewing him. Garth Brooks goes, and, and how'd you, how'd your wife go with the baby? How'd that all work <laughs> oh, out? That's you a know, pro. Like, that's yeah. a pro. No, no, that's a pro. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Garth Brooks that's too. Baby. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then, and then there's some blokes who just flat out will remember your name, like. Troy Casadaly's one of them. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you, mate? Yeah, what were we doing last time? Oh, you're painting the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like what? The, <laughs> there, there's no one flanking him. He's just got a. He's just got a uh, mega mind. Wow. <laughs> he is. He's a good man. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us today, Gleeso. We're uh, we're excited uh, excited to see you back out there. Yeah, you know, and 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 on stage and and and. You know, as you said, ready to burst after all these, yeah. all these fucking postponements. But um, yes, one thing we do know is the fans will uh, definitely still be there, and they'll be holding tickets. So, thank you for joining well, us, mate. No worries, guys. And I'll just say, um, you know, echoing Guy Sebastian's thoughts: get vaccinated, or don't. <laughs> or if you don't agree with it, don't. But yeah. if you do agree with yeah. it, do. But only if you want it. Yeah. So, here's my yeah. here's my advice: get vaccinated. <laughs> Sorry, my label has told me to backpedal from that. Uh, yeah. Do what you Back want. Off at 100 miles yeah. an hour. Now, a lot of your fans <laughs> still go to Hillsong, guy. Maybe you should fucking start backpedaling, buddy. God will. All right, mate. Thanks for joining us. Sorry about the Knights. Kalen couldn't get you there, but next year. No, no. Well, uh, you know, I'm a Dragons fan, and um, right. so, so I, go for, I go for the stupidest team in the NRL. Yeah. <laughs> well, you certainly no, They're <laughs> arguably the worst team. Oh. They, fucking brilliant they suck. <laughs> like, like that. They, they need Wayne. They could. As, as Bart Simpson they need said, God. Man, as Bart Simpson said, I never knew something could suck and blow at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, pre pre Knights era, we, we interviewed yeah. Mikey Robbins as well. I was like, why the fuck do you go for the rabbit eyes? Oh, no, oh, we had to pick teams before the Knights got into the comp. <laughs> exactly, that was it. Oh, mate. Thank All you right. for joining Cheers, us. Lads. Cheers, Thanks, mate. No, Thanks for that, boy. Bye.